0: Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today, today. Long awaited and finally.
1: Woohoo!
0: Sign of the Times. Super deluxe.
1: So, what have we spent? Six, seven episodes in our lead up to this set covering things that would not be included, Mm -hmm. which the estate made clear. Michael Howell made clear in many interviews that they were staying away from protege acts or instrumental albums, that kind of thing. But we thought we should cover them now because this is the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be the kind of thing that we cover.
1: It would be. It is.
0: And it is. So we thought instead of leaving it all to the end,
1: we mixed it in
0: we did we started early in anticipation. I'm kind of glad we did because there's lots of overlapping sorts of mm-hmm. things that you hear from one project to the next
1: yes very there very are.
0: fun and there's lots more of that that we didn't have time to get to before we start covering the album proper, which I'm sure will make lots of connections on the back end as well, but
1: you bet there will be
0: it's nice to have. Yeah. You know, some of those under our belt to start with.
1: Yeah, and it was nice to um keep our ears away from sign of the times the album uh in anticipation of this super deluxe set coming out by covering era specific things like Jill mm-hmm. Jones and Sheila E. Then we've got some more stuff coming after we get through this eight-CD, one-DVD set Uh coming out on the other side. We'll get to Madhouse and some other rehearsals and concerts and unreleased material that also didn't find a spot on this eight-disc, one-DVD set, which is just insane.
0: It is insane that there is stuff that there just wasn't room for. Yeah, How could there not be room for everything?
1: (laughs) Well, there is technically room. I mean, add another sleeve and put another... 12 discs in it and i guess there'd be room but yeah it's already overwhelming and i think they've done a great job so can't complain although i do feel badly for things like jill jones and sheila e's self-titled album at madhouse which who knows when they will ever get back to this era to start working on maybe not in our lifetime
0: Uh, fair yep wow well i guess we'll be making this podcast a while
1: Maybe so <laughs> another forty years or so,
0: oh, Josh,
1: well, I had to turn it up a little more. <laughs> there were things I had heard before that I don't hear now <laughs> on this super super deluxe edition. <laughs> Did they remove that part? <laughs>
0: Oh, so Super Deluxe came out September 25th, 2020. The original album came out on March 30th or 31st, 1987, depending on what territory you were in.
1: Right. I read that, too, that it was the 30th of March in the UK, the 31st of March in the U.S. of 1987. And, of course, that was long before the digital age. There were no fears Of the 24-hour difference you know, of the album leaking and being shared online, that just wasn't really a thing. And one day was not enough time to even mail a copy of it from the U.K. to the U.S. in a way that would be worth it.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, and we uh, talked a little bit amongst ourselves this morning about the kind of genealogy of this album, that it started off as Dream Factory, a double album by Prince and the Revolution, The revolution was disbanded, turned into Crystal Ball, a triple album by Prince that he actually submitted to Warner Brothers, and they kicked it back, asked him to whittle it down to two discs, which became Sign of the Times, and uh, for all the details on the evolution of this album, we highly recommend you listen to the official Prince podcast where the people involved are telling the story and you don't hear it secondhand from a couple podcasters like us
0: (laughs) yeah it's great they do wonderful wonderful interviews it's prince colon the story of and then they whatever album they're promoting right is how it's named so if you do prince the story of you'll find it and if you haven't already listened to it i highly recommend it you absolutely should it's fantastic
1: yeah, you might even pause here, and go find it, and listen to it, and then come back to this. <laughs> it's short. It's uh,
0: shorter than what we typically do. Yeah, each
1: episode is, what, like, 30 to yeah, 25, 25 30 to 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but chock full of great stuff.
0: Yeah. Bernie Grunman mastered the original album in 1987 mm-hmm. and remastered almost all of the songs included on Super Deluxe, with a few exceptions. Uh, A few songs were mixed by Nico Bolas to be as close to the original mix
1: as possible per
0: Prince Fault.
1: The way that I read that was Nick Bolas did the mix, but the mastering was all done by Bernie. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I guess uh, Bernie mixed and mastered, and then there's some that Nico mixed. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Those two dudes, you have to thank. For how fantastic this sounds.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, most of the credit's got to go to Bernie, though. I'm sure. Yep. I'm sure.
0: This is super deluxe, but we wouldn't have a super deluxe unless we had an original version. Yeah. So instead of looking at the super deluxe packaging, I thought we'd look at the original packaging that we have. Yeah. To look at.
1: Okay. And Since just, we're covering the original album. Yeah. On this very day.
0: Yeah. Sure. Well, we're talking about the first disc. Yeah,
1: disc one of the original disc one. album. Sure.
0: I'm going to be nice to myself in the yep. editing oh, yeah. area.
1: Yeah. Nine songs instead of yeah. double that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I forgot that the cover that I always think of it, which is the instruments and prints blurry close to the camera. Yeah. Is not the like cover cover it's the cover but if you have the cd double album and you just look at the outside it's the backdrop
1: right no i think the, that, but i do think that what you see on the cover of the booklet is the cover of the album but what is encompasses and you know packages the two discs is really the back cover it's twice. like it's
0: like double back cover that's right yeah with Track listings for each
1: disc. That's right. So if you were judging a book by its cover, you couldn't even do that with this set because the cover Mm -hmm. is inside.
0: That's right. Which I had kind of forgotten because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of the iconic image. Yep. And not, makes it more difficult for me to find when I'm going to look through.
1: Oh, all of our. All the large
0: CD collection, trying to find it. It makes it a little more challenging to find.
1: Yep. And yeah. that backdrop that you're talking about yeah. with the bar, grill, all, basically everything that kind of makes the aesthetic of the album and certainly the concert film backdrop. There's a great story on the Prince Official podcast about how that backdrop was acquired.
0: Yeah. So you should great. go
1: check that out.
0: It is really super fun. And I love all the things that we can see in this picture, which is the actual cover image. We've got the... All the instruments of course and the grill of the yep. car and the peach guitar is on the floor, not yep. stood up. Yep. There's a little what the electricity ball.
1: Yeah, the plasma this, ball. Yeah,
0: plasma ball, thank you. Yep. And then some things that are difficult to see. Which I tried to pinch in on on the
1: oh yeah, Christy actual. was trying to zoom in and out of the printed cover <laughs> with her two fingers.
0: I'm ruined ruined by my iPhone, Wow, <laughs> so I took a picture of it and then and on then, my then phone, and then I did it right, but I saw more pixels than really more image <laughs> right so.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful cover and is really representative of what you find on the album, which is mm-hmm. an eclectic mix of styles and sounds and voices and messages. You know, we've got very serious stuff, party music, religious stuff, song about sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song
0: uh, about sex?
1: Well, I'm few. just, yes, well, <laughs> but there's one specifically. Yes, that's true. So I just think it's uh, one of the perhaps the best best Prince album cover. Yeah, there is. Well, and it's
0: it's so fun because he's really close to the camera. Yep, and blurry. It almost looks like a mannequin of him.
1: That's true, like a wax figure. Uh
0: huh. Like yeah. and not a great one. <laughs> like not Madame Tussauds wax figure. Right. Tussauds. It would be whatever. You know, it'd the be famous like, Madame with the waxes.
1: Right. It'd be like the singer Mark Broussard made a mannequin of prints.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I love the font that they use.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know like that weird. it was a font or very, uh, I mean, there is a font now, um, but I think that it was hand drawn artwork you okay. know, at the time. If you look at the E's, they're uh-huh. all, you know, very different, uh, which was not something you would find in fonts back then. Right. In 1987. So it was very well art-directed.
0: Yes, and it's pretty. And then the insides
1: are just, uh, you know, credits and lyrics. Right, you're talking about the books, the booklets yeah. that come with There's the... There's two booklets. Yep. At least in our edition, it's been repackaged a number of times. But yeah. We've got a double CD jewel case with two booklets, one for each mm-hmm. disc.
0: Yeah, which is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So what is... Do you know what the... If the license plate on the car means anything, I don't
1: believe it does, but okay. I know that there are some people that have the same license plate on their vehicle and they've been posting it like crazy oh, on social media. Really? And, yeah, I think, yeah. It, I don't know. It might have come from a vehicle that was special, but okay. it, I don't think that the you letters on oh, it okay. are, letters and numbers are particularly special. Yeah,
0: it's CKJ505. Yep. Calvin Klein jeans. Oh, maybe so. Levi's 505s, which were a thing in the 80s. We still hear about 501s. They were the more popular, but 505s were jeans in the 80s. But why would
1: you do Calvin Klein jeans and Levi's jeans? uh, I don't know, man. From a guy who...
0: Who never wore jeans and got mad at people who (laughs) wore jeans. I don't know. But, okay, I just didn't know if maybe you had any insight. I couldn't find anything specific about that no so i thought well i'll but i'll ask if you knew because maybe you had additional insight no i have no so insight seems like not so much no okay
1: not so much at all <laughs> <laughs> so before uh talking about the album let's talk about how it performed um it reached number six on the u.s billboard top pop albums chart and number four on the billboard top black albums chart which was great for a double Album coming yeah. off of a bit of a financial disaster of a film.
0: Right. It is great. And, yeah. you know, double albums are, well, I can remember double albums being very expensive. Oh, they know. were.
1: I said this morning. I think this CD cost me 30 bucks, $34, something yeah. like that when I first bought it in 1987.
0: Yeah, that's like uh, $420 today. About I that. Know. I don't know what it really yeah. is, but it, a lot more than what
1: $34 buys you now. Correct. It might have been, you know, inflation wise, the same cost of the box set, which was about $160 for us. Right. Which was actually a bargain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I always also felt like this original CD issue, which what we have is the one from the initial release, the first issue of, of the album on CD that it was always one of the quietest, uh, least dynamic issues of a print CD that sounded better on, vinyl it sounded better on a cassette which i still have somewhere Mm -hmm. you know even his first few albums sounded better on cd than sign of the times did i don't know what made this such a unpowerful mix that ended up on the discs and why it persisted so long so very glad to see this one come up pretty early in the super deluxes
0: yes that we're getting
1: and I've had a few people ask me, like, oh, what do you think of the remaster? Or is it are Some people saying, oh, it doesn't really sound much different to me. I <laughs> strongly disagree, what? but also I'm coming off of these CDs, which I've had ripped into iTunes forever, and it's not just about loudness, meaning, like, volume. It's about volume, as in its overall fullness and clarity, and mm-hmm. yes, a much-needed bass, but just details that are... It's like watching uh, a film on a VHS tape and then getting it on 4K to watch on your television. Yeah. You know um, that to me is the difference I from an audio agree. sense. Yeah, we sat and compared track by track, piece by piece, original CD listening and the new. Remaster listening, and it was a night and day difference for the two of us. Yeah, like wow, I want to listen to this from start to finish mm-hmm. because it's so good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how much of a difference it really, really made, and how much was hiding. We'll talk, we'll get to that.
1: Yes, there are a lot of things that came out of the came out from behind trees.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the music then. The music. The music. Oh, title track. Start us off. It was the first single released February 18th of 1987. It features some new tech and an old Prince favorite. There's some new things that were added to the Lynn LM1 drum machine that Prince utilized here. Oh,
1: I did not know that. No?
0: Yeah. I don't remember where I read that, but I'm sure I have the <laughs> I'm sure okay. I have the uh, documentation of it. Cool. Which I'm sure I'll link to on our social media, which you can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or you can send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com.
1: So it's amazing. This song was on, I said, we're not going to get too deep into the genealogy of Sign of the Times, but when this was a three-disc set, Sign of the Times was buried in it, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it emerged as not only the title track for the album, but also the first single, which reached number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart, and that was largely because there were two gigantic singles in positions one and two for several weeks when Sign of the Times was out including I Knew You Were Waiting For Me by Aretha Franklin and George Michael, which I had forgotten about. Cool. And Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House.
0: Oh. (laughs) Um,
1: It also reached number one on the top black singles chart, and it was his fifth number one on that chart following I Want to Be Your Lover, When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, and Kiss. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Shaka Khan also did a cover of this on her 2007 album Funk. This,
1: Which I did not know. You were playing it, and I was like, who, what, huh? Uh -huh. And you were like, yep, uh, here. (laughs) Exactly, and we talk
0: in grunts when we're not on a podcast.
1: We do. (laughs) 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 I love that the basic tracking of this took place on the same day as Blanche. If you've listened to the Super Deluxe Edition and made it deep into the set and found Blanche, which is an incredible song, to think that he recorded... A fun song like that, at the same time he recorded kind of a solemn, I don't know, almost a, a newsfeed kind of song yeah. like Sign of the Times on July sixteenth, nineteen eighty-six is pretty amazing. Yep. And the fact that it's of course him on all vocals and instruments. Yes. So I think everyone who is not only just a Prince fan, but if you were alive, if you were a teenager listening to the radio or older in nineteen eighty seven, you you know the song. I was trying to think of, like, what type of music is this? It's almost like an early version of hip-hop. Okay. Uh, There's there's singing on it, but it's a lot of spoken word light rap,
0: Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah.
1: And then the topics and the lyrics are like watching Law & Order, you know? Ripped from today's headlines. (laughs) Literally. Literally.
0: Well, yes. In France, a skinny man died of a big disease with a little name. Died of a big disease with a little name. Most people suffering from AIDS, which is the big disease with a little name.
1: Yep. And yeah. I remember being a child, child. I was like 13 when the song came out and thinking, what is a big disease with a little name? And oh. I thought it was smallpox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at me.
0: No, I'm laughing at how cute little Josh was.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's just as wide as my little brain could go then. right?
0: Well, I think I maybe was a little more familiar because uh, there was a little boy named Ryan White. I don't remember if you remember him. He got um, AIDS from a blood transfusion. Yes, I I went to middle
1: school with his cousin. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. I do remember that story.
0: Yeah, that was really I, sad.
1: I also wanted to mention, like the, the beginning of the song. If you look at opening singles for Prince albums, which I think we have agreed, not the best choices of singles often, but the 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 albums on either side of Sign of the Times, Kiss from Parade, we had this opening riff, oh, uh-huh. you know, very recognizable. Sign of the Times. Oh
0: yeah. Uh huh.
1: Oh yeah. And then the next album, Alphabet Street. No. (laughs) No! No. They were just cool opening. Five seconds to print songs, and uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting run of songs like that. So I'm sorry I interrupted you. First topic, uh verse one, AIDS, not smallpox.
0: Not, Not smallpox. Right. There's an idea that him calling him French is a bit of a poetic license taken because it was believed erroneously for quite a long time that a French Canadian man Gaetan Dugas was thought to be patient zero for the AIDS crisis
1: okay he He had also spent a lot of 1985 and 1986 in France right Uh, not that man I'm talking about Prince yes Um, so that might be where the reference comes from too
0: Mm -hmm.
1: interesting no I did not know that
0: yeah
1: I was hoping beyond hope that this super deluxe edition, when Prince sings the word died or says the word died of a big disease with a little name, if you listen to like when he gets to the consonant, the long I sound, there's a pop behind his voice uh-huh. that at first I thought was on from my CDs, like from importing them years and years ago. So I would go back and re import them. Still there. Then when streaming music came around, I was like, ooh, great opportunity to check out see it's there in streaming songs. Okay. And then Super Deluxe came out, and my, I mean, my original intent anyway was to listen to it from start to finish. So this is the first song, a few minutes in, it's at 30 seconds, he sings Died of a Big Disease with a Little Name, and in the word died, there is a pop behind his voice that is still in here.
2: And Francis, man, died of a big disease with a little name.
1: Surely I'm not the only one to have heard this.
0: I didn't so, notice it, but mm, that's
1: it's been. I thought it was like an import. You know, if you used to import a CD, rip it into iTunes or whatever your music software choice was. If it didn't import properly or the CD wasn't spinning fast enough, it would. You sometimes get get pops and skips and songs, and I thought that's what that was. Huh. It is in there, so listen to it carefully. That's cool. Yeah.
0: The Disciples, the gang that the 17-year-olds are all in, is perhaps and probably a reference to a Chicago, mm-hmm. the Chicago's Gangster Disciples, which was founded in the late 60s and known for drug running and gun violence. Yeah,
1: boy, you've got it exactly covered. I have verse one. We've got two topics. First one's AIDS. Second one is gangs and guns. Big mm-hmm. yep. Big news. I love that the snare drum kicks back in at 47 seconds, 47 seconds when he sings or says Totin' a Machine Gun.
2: gun.
1: And you know the song's about to pick back up and go into a chorus, Mm -hmm. just kind of a cool touch.
0: Hurricane Annie doesn't appear to be based on a specific storm. Right. I couldn't find even, I was like, well, is there a news story about people in a church getting Mm -hmm. injured from a a hurricane because the roof blew off? Yeah. I couldn't find anything specific from around that time period.
1: Me either. Um, So I'm on verse 2. I'm kind of trying to categorize all these things that Prince is touching on, from AIDS to gangs and guns, and now, verse 2, 1987, extreme weather. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Hi,
0: yeah. Still speaking to us in 2020.
1: He is. And at a minute and 12 seconds, there's, um, after he says, Hurricane Annie ripped his ceiling off a church and killed everyone inside, there's this two-note keyboard line that kind of adds this atmosphere of eeriness or somberness Mm -hmm. to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, even though he's like the delivery is somewhat upbeat, the topic is very sad, very yeah. depressing.
2: Hurricane and the ceiling off a of church and everyone inside. You turn on the and, every... and
1: again he's covering topics on this song. He's not ever going to get to a point where he's offering solutions to these things. Right. It's sign of the times, it's not solution for the times. is uh, yeah. what I was thinking as I'm listening to this. Yeah. It's just a prince itemized bullet lists of things (laughs) that concern him you know socially
0: Mm -hmm. yeah he's not sure what to do about it but he knows we need to be thinking about these things right he wants to make sure you're thinking about it too
1: yeah
0: yep uh we're sending people to the moon when people here on earth are struggling
1: yeah i always heard him sing this line as Sister killed her baby because she couldn't afford to feed it. And we're sending people to the moon like as if he's taking on the role of a man who has a sister who either had an abortion or Mm -hmm. literally killed a child. But listening to it more closely just this morning on the Super Deluxe Edition, I could hear him say a sister. Okay. So he's saying a black woman did this. Not literally his sister or someone in his family is not what the message is. Uh, but yeah, poverty and government budgets are the next in my list of bulleted items of social issues that Prince is tackling here.
0: Then he gets into drugs.
1: Drugs and addiction.
0: Yep. Reefer, marijuana. Right. Then the brother moved on to horse, yeah. which is heroin. Right. Suggesting that mm-hmm. pot is a gateway drug. Yeah. Which we now know it's a correlation, not causation situation. Sure. That most people who go on to use harder drugs do use marijuana first. But most people who use marijuana don't go on to use harder drugs.
1: Right. Now, we know and understand a lot more about that in 2020 than we did in 1987. Yeah. So still kind of an interesting thing to pull out among lyrics and social causes. And I think this is why I thought he was saying sister killed her baby, not a sister killed her baby, because here it's My Cousin.
0: So I thought it was
1: more of a you know these are family members of mine who are you know either truthfully or imaginarily doing these things, but I've been wrong.
0: Imaginarily.
1: Imaginarily, I that's love right. That word. Imaginarily. It's,
0: it's very good.
1: I'm glad you didn't underhear me when <laughs> I said imaginarily. I, d- I did not. <laughs> and then the snare kicks back in at a minute and twenty six seconds, and we get extra bluesy guitars. So it's kind of like hip-hop, light rap, blues, funk. Uh. All mixed up in this social issue song.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: Uh, A
0: rocket ship explodes and everybody still wants to fly. That's the
1: the bridge you're talking about. Yeah,
0: certainly a... Reference to the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion on January 28th,
1: 1986. Yep. I read somewhere that uh, the Challenger explosion was maybe less of a national, you know, event of mourning because not many people, relatively to today, were watching it live. Oh, I was.
0: I, everybody in, everybody I know around our age. Yeah. Was watching it live in school. Yep, that's be- where I was. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I love the the way that he says this is crazy y'all by just it's silly no. Mhm. it sounds like a very unprincely way to phrase something that is mad, you know, mad thinking. It's silly no when a rocket ship explodes and everybody still wants to fly. Mm-hmm. Like should we be doing this?
2: Yeah. no. <laughs> Rocket ship explodes, still wants
1: to fly. Is this worth the, the human cost?
0: Is it? Well, and not to mention that really goes hand in hand with we're sending people to the moon. Yeah. And people are starving, we're trying to send people into space and they're exploding too. So is this really good use of our resources? <laughs> right. As somebody who very much appreciates the space program, finds it fascinating, I understand the thinking behind this. Me
1: too, especially from well, you know, Prince at this time was at the maybe the height of his creativity and popularity, but I could certainly see it from the standpoint of someone who is you know, struggling to make ends meet, like, why are we spending money doing this? Now, in 2020, you know, someday we may need to get off this planet. So yeah, I, yeah. I think it's money well spent. Right. Um, but I can certainly see, you know, weighing on one hand, dignity and human rights on one hand, and space travel on the other, and making it very easy to see, well, we should be taking pe- care of people. Here on earth, before we try to figure so, out a way yeah. to get off the earth. And then some say man, a man ain't happy truly until a man truly dies. You know, yes. we get to the issue of death.
2: Some say man ain't happy man
0: truly dies. Oh, I die. Which is a paraphrase of a Greek historian. Okay. Herodotus.
1: Ooh, we're getting deep.
0: Uh-huh. Call no man happy until he dies.
1: Nicely done. Did not know that.
0: Yep. Seems like the kind of weird obscure thing that Prince would have happened upon.
1: Yeah, or or figured out a way to to look up or read somehow. Yes. Very interesting. I think we're saying there obviously the grass is always greener happiness is rarely achieved because you're always looking over That neighbor's fence. Yeah. Had two minutes and three seconds, you know, his, him singing, Oh, why, which I cannot do.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Just seems so longing. And like, again, there are no answers to these problems, just a shaking of the head and questioning the madness of it all.
0: Will anybody see the dawn? (laughs) Evidently not, if uh, nuclear war befalls us overnight. You're which right. seems to you're, be... <laughs>
1: exactly, you're talking about verse four. Yeah. M- my social topic there is war games.
0: Y- yeah.
1: Uh, we're talking about Ronald Reagan's Star Wars defense system. Mm-hmm. Um, baby make a speech is what I struggled a little bit to kind of find a meaning for. I don't know if he's talking about the president. Baby make a speech, Star
2: Wars fly, neighbors should shine at home. But if a night falls and a bomb falls, will anybody
1: see the dawn time? Making a speech, Star Wars fly, neighbors just shine it on. Our neighbors are all just, okay, we're going to go about our lives and be oblivious to it all. And then, yeah, if a night falls and a bomb falls, will, ever, will anybody see the dawn? hmm Of course, the dawn is this recurring thing of princes, especially in the 80s. Yes. So to work it in here makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And then he takes a different approach to the end of the world than he has previously. So in 1999, he's yeah. talking about the end of the world. Yeah. And we're going to party and have fun. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, he says, let's fall in love, get married, have a baby. We'll call him Nate if it's a boy. Let's fall in love, get married, have a baby. We'll call him Nate if it's a boy. So... Instead of partying, because none of it matters, yeah, let's hurry up and live the full human experience.
1: True. Let's pack it in while we can. And that would be something you wouldn't even think a guy like Prince in 1982 would sing at all. So I think that's a sign of maturity. Before we get to that last little part, though, I wanted to mention at 2 minutes and 35 seconds, we have a repeat of The Bridge it's silly no when a rocket ship explodes he sings the bridge twice which is really unusual in a prince song so i wanted to point it out a little bit at two minutes and 35 seconds Very cool. after we'll call him nate if it's a boy at three minutes and 30 seconds the little bass and guitar um play the bass line a couple of times You know, if you just played the bassline to the to this song to me, I would not think it would match some a song of deep meaning. And mm-hmm. that you know, it's a simple, mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. you know, nothing really special. But you listen to how it all builds and comes together, and the simpleness of the music underlying the reality and the the troubling lyrics are a neat kind of dichotomy there mm-hmm. i thought if you look at this as like a piece of art now and you said you know all this other music we've been listening to on either side of sign of the Times" super deluxe gives you insight into the you can hear things inside of the times that you hear in music that we've covered already in jill jones and sheila e at three minutes and 40 seconds to three minutes and 53 seconds we talked about that whoosh sound that we heard a lot on sheila e's album especially in cuckoo it here and you'll Mm -hmm. hear it in other songs throughout Sign of the Times which kind of I never really think of it as dated sounding just because I've listened to it so much Mm -hmm. Um, but now I kind of hear parts of music that does sound a little dated mix in with songs that seem timeless to me Mm -hmm. it's hurting my brain a little to be honest
0: (laughs) well and those instrumental punctuations Mm -hmm. and then the drums come in and it's kind of unsettling yep it does a really good job of being a contrast to the way the lyrics are delivered Yes. and giving it that overall sort of feeling right. of here, uncomfortable, you're unsettled, but there's still things to look forward to. You still have to live your life. You still have to... It's not all sad, I mean, all the stuff is sad, but your whole life isn't sad.
1: Are you talking about the drum line at the very end of the song, yeah that uh in the live show where the whole band comes in playing this marching kind of mm-hmm. drum line, yeah, totally, yeah, um, and I never noticed that drum line, which is like from four minutes twenty to four minutes forty seconds, mm-hmm. it pans from the right channel to the left and then from the left. Yeah. back to the right which is something i never noticed uh-huh, uh, no. until listening to the remaster and i don't think it was something that they added or changed it was just that the clarity was so improved that you could pick these things we out can like hear wow it sliding instead yes, of it just totally
0: kind of being muddy
1: yep yeah yeah totally And then the song breaks down and it ends just like it began with a simple drum line that comes to uh, an abrupt end. That's how you talk about a title track.
0: (laughs) That's right. That is. is, That's how we do it. I don't know how the rest of y'all are talking about it, but that's how we're going to talk about it. Then we have the second song, Play in the Sunshine.
1: Play in the Sunshine. What an
0: interesting tracking.
1: Well, like you said, that drum line at the end gives you this kind of uneasy feeling, but you know, is something bad going to happen or is it all going to be okay? And the way this is tracked, it certainly leans towards the latter. Everything, you still have time to live life, Mm -hmm. but you better know, you better recognize what's going on.
0: This was recorded at Sunset Sound, November 22nd, 1986 in what would be Prince's final recording session with his then fiancee, Susanna.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Same day that they added overdubs to It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night, which we'll cover when we cover disc two. Mm -hmm. And just eight days before they completed the album Crystal Ball. Yeah. So yeah, it's prints on all vocals and instruments. And Susanna on background vocals. Mm -hmm. Interesting start uh, with the street noises. Which
0: I had not really heard before. I don't know if I had really... You Mm -hmm. know, they just kind of were buried, or I wasn't paying attention, or... Okay. Yeah. Whatever. They were much more crisp and clear, mm-hmm. and a little louder, and... Sure. More distinguishable.
1: All the way up until Prince kicks it off with, Ooh, doggy! <laughs> Which I always liked as a opening line to a song. There's also water flowing or waterfall sound effects from a minute 17 to a minute 23, 23 which i had never picked out before just <laughs> crystal clear in the remaster and it all plays and you hear these sound effects under one of the strangest and hardest to follow drum patterns for me anyway as a middle-aged white man, in any Prince song there is, it's just a confounding drum pattern that if mm-hmm. you try to keep up with it, you will fail. Yeah. It's tough.
0: Can you imagine trying to play it in mm. concert? Yeah. A hundred times?
1: Not bad for a girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She gives me the Sheila E. side eye. Mm -hmm. So here's a song where Prince wants to experience it all and repeat it again despite all that's wrong and troubling in the world. I want to meet you, kiss you, love you, miss you, and do it all over again.
2: I want to meet you, kiss you, love you, miss you, do it all over
1: again. Do it all over again. No, he doesn't leave the. the sad parts out of life miss you. Like you've Mm -hmm. lost something or you're not around when I want you here. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And you mentioned 1999 as a contrasting or similar song to sign of the times. I found it a little uh, reminiscent of 1999 when he sings one minute and 18 seconds before my life is done some way, somehow we're going to have fun. As opposed to 1999, wars all around us. My mind says, prepare to fight. So if I'm going to die, I'm going to listen to my body tonight. Mm-hmm. So it's all about seizing the moment and having a good time. Come with me. Mm-hmm.
0: The sunshine's proverbial, which I had, hadn't, didn't really realize. Turn all the lights up to 10.
1: Yes.
2: In the turn the up to
0: 10. Meet you. you don't need to turn the sun up. You that's turn true. the lights up. That's the true. The sunshine's not literal sunshine. Oh, I mean, it's stage I think lighting. it is. I think I think it is. I think it's stage lighting. I think it's also amplifying. Yeah, those things that are great and fun right. and joyful.
1: Totally agree.
0: Yeah. Which and you know, being from Minnesota, somewhere that's cold quite
1: a lot of the year, and you not might, not much sunlight in the wintertime.
0: Right. You might he might appreciate some playing in the sunshine i can get that and sure. that's such an interesting way to realize that it was a couple of things right yeah
1: very cool and at a minute 24 seconds we get our first prince Awa on the whole record <laughs> i think you've always gotta you've always gotta make a note of when those happen
0: <laughs> well you do okay. so what's the deal with the gorilla we're gonna love all our enemies until the gorilla falls off the wall so i thought well maybe it's not like an animal gorilla that you would see in the zoo maybe it's gorilla g-e-u-r you know like the people who fight yes so i went and looked it up yeah nope it's gorilla Gorilla.
1: yeah yeah the, the like the animal yes
0: yeah um, and I thought, well, maybe it's like Gorillas in the Mist. Mm. No, that movie didn't come out until 1988, so it wasn't that. All so, good points.
1: I mean, he, I don't know he, what there are twists and turns in the lyrics here that are very interesting. And you, I remember you came and asked me if I knew anything about that, so mm-hmm. I was prepared <laughs> to still say no. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then is he teaching the gorilla that love will make him tall? Or who are we teaching? Is, We're going to love all our enemies till the gorilla mm. falls off the wall. We're going to rock him, the gorilla. We're going to roll him, the gorilla. We're going to teach him that that love will make him tall.
0: Maybe it's like the monkey on your back. Maybe it's another way of saying like if you have, you know, when they save a monkey on your back, you've got something that you can't quite shake. It's... yeah. It's there, it's annoying, maybe it's kind of heavy, but you can't get rid of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Maybe
0: this is a way of saying that. They're going to rock the gorilla, roll the gorilla, if you roll somebody, you beat yeah. him up or whatever.
1: Rick roll. You know, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a different kind of roll. Yeah. Maybe it's, uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's about teaching that monkey, maybe the gorilla is just a heavier version of a monkey, in this such situation.
1: I think people who study animals would disagree, but I see what you're saying.
0: Metaphorically, <laughs> right. I know that gorillas aren't just heavier.
1: That's right. Otherwise, they just call like- them big monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's a great way to look at it, for sure. It just um,
0: now occurred to me. I wish I could like
1: flesh that out a little more, but literally, it just occurred to me. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, You know, we talk about the gorilla in the room a lot. We never talk about the gorilla on the wall.
0: We talk about the gorilla in the room or the elephant in the room?
1: You're right. (laughs) (laughs) I have
0: never once said, well, it's the gorilla gorilla in the room. room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for this moment on the podcast. You're very welcome. (laughs) Well, maybe... A gorilla is just a small elephant. <laughs> and not just a large monkey. <laughs> anyway, there's a fun and uh, frantic piano line after they say so tall that I always mm-hmm. love after they, they you know we're going to teach him that love will make him tall. So tall and there's this piano thing going on in the background. That's really fun.
2: Love make him tall. So tall.
1: The gorilla in the room will dance to that.
0: (laughs) Then we have the Big White Rabbit, which is most certainly a reference to Harvey.
1: Yes, the stage play and movie. And movie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this whole verse is uh, also fun with color. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Starting with the Big White Rabbit. Uh Uh-huh. Then we have... The
0: color green will make your best friends leave you. It will make them do the walk. Uh huh. And the color green will make your
2: best friend It'll
0: make do the walk. And I was like, ooh. So the color green, usually a reference to money. Right. Maybe a dispute with Morris Day. Totally. The guy who sang The Walk. Totally. Okay. Yep. Good, I'm glad I yeah, that.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a reference to Morris Day uh, and with that reference to The Walk. At a minute and 55 seconds there, this is another thing I picked up on the Super Deluxe remaster. Prince sings background in a very low register on the left channel that I'd never heard before this remaster when he sings It'll Make Him Do The Walk. It'll make him do the walk and I think further referencing Morris Day and The Time, but that's cool. Because one day, every day will be a yellow day. Yeah. Cool. C-O-O-L. A time song. Yes. also. So, yeah, we've got White Rabbit, Color Green, Yellow Day. Let's play.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And at 2 minutes, 34 seconds, Prince makes some very odd sounds before a very distorted guitar solo. He's like, heck, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's my best... Way to write it down and reenact it. Very strange, yeah, but
0: fun. I love the way he wants to be pursued into entertaining them. Play,
1: oh yeah, no. no.
0: <laughs> Come on, play, no. And eventually, he relents. Yeah. But it's I thought it was very fun and yeah, funny.
1: Yeah, well it's interesting that they have to convince him. He's the one that's been singing about this for at least almost three and a half minutes at this point. <laughs> and then he's hard to get to follow through.
0: Don't we all know somebody like that though? Yep.
1: Yeah, sounds like our dog.
0: <laughs>
1: like whatever yeah. I'm doing now can't be the thing to be doing. No. I should be doing something out. It's FOMO in twenty or twenty.
0: Nineteen
1: eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Um let's see, then we at three minutes and fifty four seconds. Drummer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do your thing Drummer
2: Do, you drummer, do
0: you Not Sheila.
1: No, because Prince was the drummer here. Yeah. He was really singing to himself again. Yeah. And we get this great instrumental part from 4 minutes and 3 seconds to 4 minutes 11. That's really, really fun. And then he asks, he has to ask himself, can I get some of that to have another guitar solo? Mm-hmm. at about 4 minutes and 12 seconds.
2: Can I get some of that?
1: that so while the guitar solo is great the drums and piano keys going on behind it deserve your ears attention from mm. 4 minutes 13 seconds to 4 minutes and 30 seconds of course it's about the guitar solo but what's going on behind the guitar solo it's like also on the good. on the initial album the guitars really subdued and it's not like it's this rock out yeah mm-hmm. here it is and then but everything behind it is also You know, kind of brought forward a little bit more, too, so it's worth a re listen.
0: Very
1: cool. Shaving a haircut. Fun way to end the song. Yeah, and it
0: kind of devolves. Yes. In this fascinating, interesting way.
1: Yeah, with Prince and Susanna discussing getting out of here. Mm hmm. La, la, la. Their glee is interrupted by someone named Camille.
0: Yeah. In Housequake, the B-side to You Got the Look, the third single from the double album. It is the first of the Camille-style tracks. Yep. purportedly recorded the day after he fired the revolution
1: or the day after the public announcement of yeah. the firing of the revolution anyway right
0: lizzo's 2016 song worship samples the horns from housequake
1: We say there was also in a Sheila E song, trying to remember which one it was, that had the horn in it from her 1987 album mm-hmm. as well. Yes. It would make sense to me that he would record a song like this the day after putting an era behind him. Yes. This sounds like a fresh start kind of thing. I love that it's Prince and Eric Leeds and Atlanta bliss basically on all instruments here except you know prince doing it all except for sax and trumpet but that all of these other engineers including uh coke johnson and susan susan rogers are on this song and get credit as a party voice Mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun it's fun and the penguin the little plush prop that we mentioned (laughs) from the 1999 recording sessions is back (laughs) being present yeah that little penguin got to see a lot
0: Susanna did recall on the Prince podcast that Prince did not like to experience the July 1986 earthquake in Southern California. And I was like, what a way to take an experience like that and really turn it on its ear, make it something different.
1: Yep. It's a
0: housequake, not an earthquake. Yeah. You know, it's got to be related.
1: Right. No, totally. Yeah, Yeah. That he did not like feeling that he was not in control and the natural fear that uh, occurs if you've never experienced an earthquake before would certainly leave a lasting impression. And if you would think it makes perfect sense for Prince, that would manifest itself in a new groove.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. This song benefited so much from a remaster.
1: I totally agree. Maybe the one that did the most on this first disc. I mean... Could be. Just the
0: beat before that was so great and so heavy really hid the instruments that were behind it and yep. the voices behind it yep. and now you can really hear them and it's so it gives it so much more of a party
1: feel for sure it
0: feels so much more like a house party than it did
1: yeah yeah not not this quiet I don't know. There just wasn't much justice done to the song on the initial CD that mm-hmm. you know has unfortunately I mean, been around for 37 years without being fixed.
0: Yeah, it's always been a banger. Yep. But now it's you really appreciate it so much more. Yeah.
1: yeah. I did notice that on the original CD, when the song kicks off and the drums kick in, the drums are more panned from side to side in the first six seconds,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're more normalized in the remaster. They don't do this channel-shifting thing. Okay. So I don't know if that was a mistake that they wanted to correct or just something they wanted to...
0: Bernie's been listening to my preferences.
1: Oh, he doesn't want to make you dizzy. That's
0: right. He's like, I don't want Christy to fall on her walk
1: while she listens
0: (laughs) to this song. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks. I I have also
1: always wondered, where did this splat sound come from? The... (laughs) You know, this, it's not a record scratch. It's not, it's like, I just call it the splat sound. That's throughout the song, you know, but, uh, I don't know what, what is that? Was it a sound effect, you know, bank that they pulled that from, or I don't know. And you want to know what else I wondered thinking back to when Prince originally recorded this in a studio by himself, you know, at least for initial tracking is how hard it must have been to be a one man band, essentially, and to be so gleefully boastful about a song <laughs> that uh, it sounds like it's been badass forever, but you're actually the only one to have ever heard it at the time of recording you know to to be bold enough to say tell me who in this house knows about the quake and of course nobody does uh-huh. and it's all mostly in his head as he's laying it down and it doesn't to me sound like he gave much information to the recording engineer about oh this is going to this song is going to be a funky jam that in which I will explain a new dance, you know. He just is in there doing it, and uh, so he can see it all in his head uh-huh. long before it comes together and is this funk masterpiece. I guess that's just the amount of confidence and vision that he had to create a song like this that sounds like it's retroactive, you know, which it is about the earthquake. Yeah. But it's not about this dance party and the baddest... Right groove in the land that kind of thing but right. he makes it that way on try one yeah you know it's pretty cool yeah
0: well and he you mentioned he told us how to do the dance but he gives us some room in there to be able to make it our own right we're gonna show you what to do you put your foot down on the two you jump up on the one now you're having fun we gonna show you So, oh, right. really, it's like you put your foot down and you jump up. And you, whatever else you do,
1: yeah, that's all about you. That's right. And it's, isn't it also weird to give dance instructions not in order? Because what you do on the one comes before what you do on the two. Oh,
0: I thought you did it on the two first, and then the following one is when you jump up.
1: Mm. But then so, you repeat also, right? So, which came first, the jumping up or the foot down?
0: The foot down. Okay. All right. I think... Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it definitively. Okay. I'll give in because I don't
1: have evidence to the contrary. I do have evidence, however, when Prince is singing that line as Camille. He's singing in a much lower register in the left channel that you could not hear before on Mm. the album that Mm. is way more prominent. I mean, it's a Camille song, but Prince's normal voice is throughout this thing that, that is really clear and easy to hear now.
0: Yeah, which you could not hear before.
1: You could not. And you know, speaking of things you don't hear cover your children's ears listeners is the word bullshit that is not a word that prince used i i struggle to think of another instance that he used it outside of Hmm, the song song. housequake right bullshit at one minute and nine seconds um and there's a bass guitar pluck right after that if you listen closely in this new remaster but it struck me again listening to this almost for the first time ever it seemed like (laughs) It was like listening to it for the first time, but first time, but still being able to sing it along uh-huh. in the remastered version. But it struck me that that's not a curse word that he used very much, if ever.
0: Green eggs and ham certainly rhymes with jam.
1: It does. Let's jam, huh? Let's jam.
0: Cut. But it's also kind of a suggestion. Just try it. That's you right. You might like oh, it. Oh,
1: that's true. I never thought of it that way. I'm like, oh, that's a Dr. Seuss reference. But I didn't really think uh-huh. about what Dr. Seuss was saying in the original book, yes. story, Book poem.
0: It was a book. Well, yeah. yes, it's a poem, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which Ted Cruz totally missed the whole point of when he tried to filibuster the... Affordable Care Act. I do not like it, said Sam I Am. Like, no, the whole point of it is try it. You might like it. Yeah, well, I don't know.
1: Interrupt me when Ted Cruz says something that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It'll take less time. Yeah, I think that that's also part of what makes this album and the song so much fun is that there are references that come from everywhere. Like, nothing is off the table on this album. I mean, there's... Here we've got, you know, the police are chasing this jam. We've got green eggs and ham. It's, we're going to
0: talk about the twists. Yeah,
1: and we're going to, you know, talk about Challenger explosions and world pandemics. Uh, that's uh, just wide open landscape. You don't know what's going to come at you next.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I also love that when he sings, we're going to rock this mother down, is in large part thanks to Eric Leed's Saxophone, Mm. you know, there's not like a screaming prince guitar solo in the song, anywhere, right? At all, that's not what it's about.
0: It's the kick drum's fault until it's the saxophone's fault,
1: that's right. I love, I love that, that mm-hmm. he's calling out what is what is at fault, but it's the fault,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, in relation yeah. to a quake of some kind.
0: Right. Shakalaka boom. We got some Shakalaka in All Day, All Night. That's right. To, we
1: just never got to boom.
0: Yeah. He just he added the boom. It was something that fell right during the earthquake.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh one other part I wanted to mention is uh at two minutes and twenty-six seconds, a groove this funky is on the run. There's this deep background vocal deeper than his normal singing voice that I had never really heard before there. That I'm like, ooh, play that again. Ooh, play that again. Ooh, play that again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, many, many times.
2: Go to heaven. Come on, y'all, we got to jam.
1: Jam.
2: Come. The is it's to run.
1: And I love that he sings he ends the song in his normal voice with the splat sound in the background still saying Shut Up already. Damn. Mm-hmm. Shut up already.
0: Damn. It almost is like Maybe it just sounds different than his normal voice because we've been listening to Camille. It, it didn't sound quite Bob George deep, it didn't sound Camille oh. high, it, but it didn't quite sound like his normal voice to me either.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was his normal, like, kind of, mm, mm, mm. Mm. his displeased voice. <laughs> I mean, he's pleased with that song, I have no doubt. Maybe he's displeased with the amount of people who think they know anything about it and they need to stop talking.
0: Speaking of things that people knew something about or didn't know something about and freaked them out a little bit, the ballad of Dorothy Parker. Okay. Oh, poor Susan Rogers.
1: Oh, she told yeah. her
0: story on the Prince uh, podcast, but she's told it May. many times before about how the uh, power to half of his board and his... New home studio was out and made the whole recording muddy, but Prince dug it, so it was fine.
1: Yeah, and she was just terrified to stop him because she said he was, you know, these ideas were pouring out of him and they were moving so fast and mm-hmm. she knew to stay out of the way. Right. Yeah, and in the end, Prince is like, I like this new board. It sounds kind of dull, though. Mm-hmm. And Susan Rogers is mm-hmm. saying, like, of course he knew. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um. But that was a lot of what made this album great and yeah. a lot of what made, you know, there are other mistakes on songs that we'll get to later that just turn into those kinds of happy accidents that, you know, he was not, he was a perfectionist and a hard worker, but accepting of accidents if it was some, if it brought something to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened here.
0: Right. Well, and willing to embrace the unexpected sometimes.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, if it brought something to the table. Right. And uh, Well, cuz if
0: it hadn't brought any if he didn't like the way it sounded, he'd have re-recorded it.
1: Yeah. Or exploded. Maybe his head would have exploded.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. It was planned to be the fifth and final single from the album, but for some reason was abandoned. Yep. Prince had asked both Eric Leeds and Claire Fisher to lend their talents to this particular recording, but they were ultimately not used.
1: Wise decisions. Yeah. Even though it's cool to hear you can hear what they did mm-hmm. on Super Deluxe edition. Yeah. Great Which to hear, we'll but there. I would say they definitely even Eric Leeds said, you know, this was perfect already. There was mm-hmm. no need for Yeah. You know, he, he the way he put it was well, I'm honored that he thought I could add something here, but it was it was done already.
0: Yeah. Prince claims to be unfamiliar with the American writer Dorothy Parker before he wrote this song, sang this song, but she did write the 1937 script for a star is born. And we know he loved old movies. So maybe he didn't really realize that he knew that she was a writer, but I would say likely he'd at least seen her name in credits before.
1: Maybe. And also the fact that she was known for, you know, wisecracks, her wit and that's sort of the personality of this waitress that we're talking about here. So they right. shared not only a name, but also uh, humor.
0: Yes, agreed.
1: Boy, talk about drum patterns, like from Play in the sunshine to this song. You'll hear some of the greatest and strangest drum patterns on a Prince record in two of the first four songs here. Mm-hmm. I also asked myself, like like the title track, what genre does this fit in? It's kind of spokesung. Is it hip-hop? Is it a little jazz? It's Prince, man.
0: Yeah. That's what made him special. Yeah. He could do it all. All mm. those things, put them together, make something fresh and new that defies description.
1: Right. I think also that uh, he's the only man that can order a fruit cocktail and have a waitress <laughs> tell him how much of a man he is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I ordered, yeah let me get a fruit cocktail. I ain't hungry. <laughs> Dorothy laughed. She said, it sound like a real man to me."
0: Well, he just he knew what he wanted and he wasn't worried about what anybody thought about it. That's what made him a real man. Which is true. Pretty cool. Yeah. Dorothy got a lot of tips. She did. Money? Suggestions? Oh, I don't know. Dudes?
1: (laughs) Uh, Hair coloring?
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, tips in the 80s. Man. Yeah. Man.
1: Could have been that. Yeah. No, I think that uh, she was just well-liked.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I've been talking stuff in a violent room, fighting with lovers past.
2: In a violent room, fighting
1: with past. Mm-hmm. so i
0: think the violent room is his own head
1: correct yeah, yeah he was just in a different place
0: yeah he was reliving mm-hmm. failed relationships to either come to terms with his own culpability or yeah. trying to lay blame and he's taking a break from that when right. he meets dorothy yeah, and uh, she invites him back for a
2: bath. Right.
0: Which on Genius.com there's a person who's done lots and lots of work on print songs, mm-hmm. either putting in lyrics or making annotations, adding different stuff. B N H S L R is his. Oh, okay. Is his handle. All right. On there, and he did a. Fantastic annotation, talking about how baths are a recurring theme, mm-hmm. and th- I want to give him credit because he picked out all of the different songs where baths are included. When Two Were In Love, Extra Lovable, Purple Music, Computer Blue, this song, The ah. Ballad of Dorothy Parker, Glass Cutter. Yeah. He used it as a call-out in concerts. Hey, you want to come take a bath with me? Yeah. Under the Cherry Moon, he's yeah. in a bathtub. Yeah. The video for When Doves yeah. Cry. Mm-hmm. All of these things, baths are this long and featured, interesting thing. And I think maybe a bath is just Getting to know somebody better—it's not. Maybe it doesn't have to be a literal bath. That's true. So uh, there are literal baths and yeah. under the cherry moon. And
1: yeah, I mean, you are fully exposed there. It's right. like also a rebirth. If you think, but of it's baptism. also
0: relaxing. Yeah, you're. You can't hide anything.
1: Yep. yeah, yeah. Also, want to mention the Joni Mitchell reference. It was oh, yeah. one of the first. You know, which kind of lent this. Uh, I mean, obviously, people who worked with him knew that he loved and was highly influenced by Joni Mitchell. Um, But here we've got a reference to her quite clear. Mm -hmm. So the world knows. And I I love the help me, I think I'm falling in love again. And the Mm -hmm. phone ringing and him doing the lip roll or the tongue roll that Uh I cannot do. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. I thought the going into the bath, a great delivery of... My pants were wet, they came off, but she didn't see the movie because she hadn't read the book first. Wow, does that make your head spin a little That's
0: bit? That's like the perfect metaphor for somebody not sleeping with somebody else.
2: Instead, she pretended she was blind.
0: I don't know you. I'm not going to sleep with you. Yeah. She hadn't, she didn't see the movie because she hadn't read
1: the book. She didn't get to know me for real first. Right. Yeah.
0: Which yeah. is super cool.
1: Line, I mean, there's so many great lines on this first disc. That might, that's got to be in the top five
0: mm-hmm. right there. Yep.
1: And who knew if you wanted to make Prince laugh, just pretend like you're a witch and cast a spell, <laughs> had a, like, like a witch had cast a spell on you and took your side away. Yeah. She pretends to be blind and yeah. made him laugh.
0: <laughs> so that she, uh-huh. yeah, because he told her, so poor, the poor girl he's sort of going with, he ends up taking his pants off, and it's Dorothy who tells him no. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's interesting that we get Dorothy was a waitress, so we know the song's about Dorothy, but Prince finally reveals the name of the song at about. 2 minutes and 53 seconds this is the ballad of Dorothy Parker with this falsetto sweet ooh 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 that he sings at the end
2: Uh,
1: I thought, listening to it again and almost freshly anew with the remaster that the song reminded me how much experimentation there was With drums on this album, probably the most complex beats of any of his albums, even just between Play in the Sunshine and The Ballad of Dorothy Parker, those two songs alone are just great creative experimentations with drums, I thought. Yeah. Super cool. Very, very cool.
0: Then we have a song about sex in the most 80s way you
1: could possibly say it. It is very 1980s sex education. Uh Uh-huh. I'm a little ashamed, Uh so I'm not even going to say the word.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say sex. I'm going to call it it. It. And everybody's going to know what I'm talking about.
1: That's right. Everybody. This this is not... Stephen King, a clown in the sewer <laughs> with a red balloon. No. This is sex. And this
0: has nothing to do with Pennywise.
1: It is, yeah. This is sex. And by the way, Prince is having it. Uh, yeah. And when he's not having it, he's thinking about it.
0: <laughs> I love the rawness in his voice in the performance here. Uh-huh. It's so, like, aching and raw and... It is
1: a raw song. I mean, it's yeah. very... It's not super nasty, I mean, it does have some nasty language in it, but it's not vulgarly descriptive of Mm -mm. the act of sex. No. Right? No. Yeah, um, the music makes it sound, it does sound a little forbidden Uh with the stark drumbeat and maybe slightly, like, wrong because of the way the drum, it's just this (laughs) pounding beat. Uh Uh-huh. But the lyrics make it clear that it's Prince's Drive and it's commonplace for him. It's like, this is like a normal person washing their hands. This is yeah. daily activity. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> so, at like a minute and 41 seconds, he's repeating, doing it. Uh-huh. And he's doing this vocalizing. Yeah. And it's real easy to overlook how his vocalizing kind of turns into the guitar. Exactly. It's so cool. And yeah. I thought that was something that you really notice from the remaster. Yes. how clever and smart and interesting that vocalization sort of becoming the guitar was. It was
1: so good. So, like, total control of his voice, and he knew exactly how his guitar would sound, too, to merge those two things together, because this is essentially him alone recording this whole thing. So, yeah, totally... Totally agree, and there are tons of those whoosh effects that we talked about from cuckoo going on throughout mm-hmm. the song. But especially at a minute and fifty-six seconds, there are a ton of them. I thought the uh, comparison between guilt and honesty—I could be guilty for my honesty. There's a little bit of electric chair from mm. Batman in oh. that. The is, if a man is considered guilty for what goes on in his mind, then give me the electric chair for all my future crimes.
2: Oh, the on, mine, the my future crimes oh.
1: There's a connection lyrically between it and electric chair. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: You said it wasn't uh, super dirty, but when he whispers, come on.
1: Oh, yeah. It is. Come on. It's very dirty. That's what those, like, uh, what was the game? Sh- the gong show. You know, uh-huh. he's got this, groong, this uh-huh. giant symbol that happens there, too. Uh-huh. I think at that same part that, um, yeah, just is almost, I don't know. It's got, like, a Middle Eastern kind of feel a little uh-huh. bit, too. A
0: little bit. And then there's there's more whispering, but I couldn't find the lyrics for them anywhere. And I couldn't quite understand what he's saying. It sounds like he says, you're mine
1: yeah. at
0: one point. Yeah. And there's more whispers, yeah. but I don't know what they are.
1: Yeah, me either. I have those notes, too. But f- further back... At two minutes and 25 seconds, I noticed that it's no longer I want to do it, baby, all the time. It turns into I want to do you, baby, all the time. Which I thought was kind of mm, direct. (laughs) And at three minutes and nine seconds, when he repeats it, 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 it. (laughs) it-it-it-it-it. But he does it way better than me. and you knew it was going to be boiled down at some point for a song named it at 3 minutes and 13 seconds close your children's ears when he kind of half whispers fucking on your mind <laughs> did you hear that
0: uh yes i did
1: it's all oh, i did
0: but i wasn't going to bring it up because i beep all those
1: words so just well, so you know that's fine i just got beeped then uh-huh. in my own podcast yeah the part that you were talking about where he's whispering and saying things is that like it um, Four minutes and four seconds. He's got kind of a distorted voice, almost like a guitar, and it kind of rolls into Feel So Good, Must Be a Crime. All right. right. Well, you'll hear it when you edit the podcast together, and then we can talk about it.
0: All right. Well, before we can edit a podcast, we have to take a quick break.
1: Let's do it. So,
0: (laughs) let's... (laughs) Not on the break. It's not going to be that long of a break. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) But we will be right back with Starfish and Coffee.
1: I am with my friend, Holly. Hi, Dave. Hey, Holly. I am Dave. And we've got a podcast. This is our intro music to the What Difference does It Make podcast. We talk about the 80s we
2: talk about our favorite radio station growing up in Los Angeles, KROQ, Rock of the 80s. We get into the nitty gritty of their top chart from every year in the 80s and we're already up to 1983. We love talking about this music and uh, just getting into the songs and what, what they meant to us to other people. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Besides talking about the music that we love, we also talked to some of our favorite artists, such as... Take it, Holly. Who have we talked to?
2: Oh, my gosh. We have spoken to Jefferson Starship, which was a blast. We spoke to Kathy Valentine uh, about her memoir and about the Go-Go's. Do you remember really early on, we talked to Trevor Steele from The Escape Club?
1: Yes, that was a good one, too. That uh, That was a lot of fun. We've also talked to Chris Franz of Talking Heads. And we've talked to Brown Mark of Prince and the Revolution. We're getting a lot of great interviews, and I'm having a great time. And I think you will if you listen to our podcast, What Difference Does It Make?
2: And now the What Difference Does It Make podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon podcast family.
0: Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we have starfish and coffee. No, Susanna many times has shared her memories, how she's told the story of her autistic classmate that she and Wendy went to school with Yep, and how that became the inspiration for this song. And
1: Yeah, with even, I think, sweet that Prince came to her and said, asked her, would you write this entire thing down for me? Yeah. Didn't want to go off of memory of the conversations. Like had listened to her clearly tell the story, mm-hmm. and it struck him as you know this could make a great song. But let me get it right. And of course, the real saying was Fish. "starfish and pee-pee.
0: Starfish and pee-pee.
1: Yeah, and Prince came to <laughs> I Susanna, love the and way almost
0: Susanna says it oh, every yeah. single time. It's so funny. Yep, yeah.
1: and I also think it was Prince could do whatever he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. And he came and said, I'm not going to sing pee-pee. Can I change this to coffee? Yeah, he and even
0: asked her for permission. Yeah. To, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it was her story, her friend. And uh, I thought that that whole thing, whole story, which is covered on the Official Prince podcast, um, is really just real touching. Very mm-hmm. cool. I well, and she have...
0: talked about it, too, at the pre-show to yeah. the video debut.
1: Yeah, on YouTube.
0: Yeah. Which was... Pretty great. I think it speaks a lot to her character how kind she was towards Cynthia Rose.
1: Well, and not only Cynthia Rose, but even Prince, who, you know, she basically took care of him for the entirety of their relationship, decorated their house, and then was asked to move out, and they broke up. And uh, I mean, I realize that time heals wounds, but. You know, that's typically, you know, an engagement broke off is something that is a dark part of your life, I would think. Mm-hmm. But she definitely has a very happy, she definitely remembers the happy moments much more. Mm-hmm. And the amount of creativity and love and everything that was happening there, you know, stands out in a moment in her life that was special. And she still speaks about it that way.
0: Right. I mean, obviously, it makes sense that she's very like Wendy because they're twins. Right. But that seems to be the kind of attitude that Wendy also has. We've met her a couple of times, and she's just warm and sweet and positive. For sure. And funky as all get out.
1: <laughs> and a, judge, a good judge of character, because she yeah, liked us. Yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. She did like us. Uh, it may have been intended, Starfish and Coffee, uh, for inclusion on a children's album, from 1996, called Happy Tears, but the project was shelved after Prince and Maite's son Amir passed away just a week after his birth.
1: Right, there was a re recording of the track mm-hmm. um, that is believed to be the ones that he played or lip synced to on uh, mm-hmm. The Muppets Tonight. Yeah. Another instantly recognizable song, mm-hmm. you know, with the alarm bell yeah. going off at the beginning, which was added later after they recorded the track. Right. You know, it, it's a, it's immediately recognizable and has that piano part that all seems like kind of a very normal kind of song until the snare drum kicks in at twenty eight seconds mm-hmm. and it's running backwards throughout the entire track.
2: This is what
1: say. Which is really, really cool, and even more pronounced, you know, kind of sweeping from one channel to the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so maybe Bernie didn't get your memo completely on this album. Well, as redo. It, as but long
0: as it sweeps, yeah, it's okay. it
1: does sweep. Yeah. So it's, it is okay.
0: Yeah. I love that there's a choir of princes when he introduces... Cynthia Rose. Yeah. It made me wonder if he didn't identify with her a little bit. Yeah.
2: All of us were ordinary to Cynthia Rose.
1: She
0: always Maybe okay.
1: so. Being a little different and probably picked on and Yeah, well, kind of and
0: maybe he was similarly unusual,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but was able to conceal it a bit better.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, he had certainly had an outlet that... Most people do not have right. Yeah. Well,
0: he had an outlet and a talent to go with it.
1: Yeah. 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 I thought. Yeah. You, all the background vocals by Prince and Susanna in the song, especially in the chorus, mm-hmm. are just really, really lovely.
0: Yes. So she smiled beneath her nose.
2: Back of the line, smile beneath her nose.
0: Was that performative? A little, maybe. The was her that her smile. Was it just because her mouth is beneath her nose, which is always kind of how I heard it. But I was thinking about it as I was listening to it, preparing for this, thinking, oh, well, you know, when you really smile, it reaches your eyes and your whole face lights up. That's true. But if you only smile beneath your nose.
1: Yeah, the rest of your face is uh, your true expression.
0: Right. And, Hmm. you know, I wonder if maybe there wasn't a, a bit of that. Sometimes she smiled. And it was,
1: it was uncomfortable. It not was, happiness.
0: It was not a happy smile. It was a smile to try and fit in.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah.
1: Otherwise, why phrase it that way? Right. Right. Yeah. I thought also on the original issue of this album and the uh, remaster, there are some odd kind of fluttering in Prince's s's when he sings, "Cynthia wore the prettiest dress, but different color socks mm-hmm. at a minute." It almost has this underwater kind of sound to it that I was never sure was intentional, but must have been, Mm -hmm. or is there, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So I always wondered, uh, is that lunchbox literal Mm. or is it more uh, figurative? Perhaps the lunchbox is a journal me and Lucy opened it when Cynthia wasn't around. Lucy cried, I almost died. You know what we found.
2: Me and Lucy opened it when Cynthia not Lucy cried, almost died. You know what we found.
0: Maybe she, maybe they looked in her journal and mm-hmm. found that she was exactly who she said she was.
1: Yeah, that could be. That could be. Although it seems against Susanna's character to go reading Yes, a, a vulnerable friends, you know, personal things, but right th- but
0: maybe it wasn't a journal. Maybe it was just understanding her more,
1: mm-hmm.
0: opening the lunchbox Is getting to know her, yes. and realizing she is exactly who she said she is. Yeah, And yeah. who What's does that? Her? Yeah. Who, is, who shows you exactly who they are yeah, in the that's sixth true. grade?
1: <laughs> right. Uh, well, especially today, social yeah. media, it's all about polishing yourself, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I love that Cynthia is everywhere that innocence and purity reside. Uh-huh. Cynthia had a happy face just like the one she draw on every wall in every school.
2: Cynthia had a happy face just like the one she draws on every wall in every school. But it's all right. It's for a worthy cause.
1: Yeah, but it's for a worthy cause, mm-hmm. which I'm wondering, you know, she wasn't fighting for social justice or something like that in the sixth grade. It was for her own individuality and maybe no shame for who she was.
0: Right. Well, and it's just in a sense And that mm-hmm. is in every elementary school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Theirs. Everywhere. Yeah. True. Yeah. There's a lot of references to ham on this album. This is the second one. <laughs> Here we've got... Uh, it in the chorus also
2: I keep saying, Stop, and coffee.
1: When they enter the chorus at about two minutes and you're encouraged to keep singing or keep saying there's a tambourine in the right channel that's really really great that kind of comes in at that point
2: saying coffee
1: and I also love that two minutes and 22 seconds where there's no more lyrics, but there's Prince and Z- Susanna added basically another verse just by singing la, 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 mm-hmm. all th- you know, through the rest of the whole thing. So it's almost like we get a hummed extra verse by the two of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: then i went looking again i've done this many times and never really found the answer like at two minutes and 29 seconds there's a sort of hidden lyric there's prince speaking in the background and uh, i saw posted on Susanna melvoin's artist page on facebook starfish on a roll new funk for your soul is what's being said
0: That's cool.
1: during there. And I have never really gotten an answer to it, but I think she's basically confirmed it there by posting that. And it's not only the snare drum that's backwards, but even the violin or synthesizer violin at the end of the song, two minutes and 40 seconds or so, even that part sounds like it's run backwards or has this odd effect to it that adds this little sparkle at the end of the song that's really cool
0: along with the whistling yeah which is such innocence personified
1: yep I mean, no doubt, one of the most strangely beautiful little songs in Princess Hole catalog at whatever it is, less than three minutes, right? Yeah. two minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah,
0: just this little delightful song. Yep. Then we have, going from something childlike and sort of innocent into slow love. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Model, actress, singer, songwriter, and writer Carol Davis wrote the lyrics... Probably around nineteen eighty four, when Prince recorded the first version, but it was reworked for sign of the times. Yep. Her modeling gigs were Playboy and Penthouse. Yes. Typically, so yep. um, you know she she had opinions about lovemaking that maybe dovetailed with that a little bit. Right. She did have a version, Carol Davis did, mm-hmm. on her 1989 album that was also on Warner Brothers, but evidently it wasn't. she wasn't on Warner Brothers because of Prince.
1: Okay. So. I went looking for it on Apple Music, could not find it. Huh? So I'm sure you'll post a YouTube link to I it. I
0: believe I have one.
1: Yeah. So that surprised me that that wasn't anywhere to be found. We've talked about poor Maite with these songs <laughs> that other women have already <laughs> sung. <laughs> Apparently in late 1993, it was tried out for Maite's album also. So they had a virtual song garage sale that they kind of put together for for Maite's album. I went and looked up some of Carol Davis's acting credits too. Okay. Um, She was in a James Cameron movie, Piranha 2, The Spawning. The
0: Spawning. She was in
1: The (laughs) Flamingo Kid. But her best-known film role apparently came as Roxy Shield in Mannequin. She was the ex-girlfriend in Mannequin. I had no idea. I was like, I wonder if there's anything that I would have seen her in. Mannequin
0: on cable? Well,
1: yeah. She also made guest appearances on TV series, including The A-Team. Probably saw her there. Star Trek Voyager. Never saw it. Sex and the City,
0: which we watched
1: all of. Angel, Two Broke Girls, and Madam Secretary. Hmm. Yeah. Obviously, this is what I would call the first ballad on the album, and there's no hiding it because it has the word slow in the title. <laughs> yep. I always thought this was a little like vaudeville or music theater-ish kind of song. Not Maybe not in a bad way, but also a little reggae and a little mm. country in some parts too, okay. like the sliding guitar. And... This is
0: Josh pulling out all of the genres of music that he doesn't really care for.
1: Right. But I hear them. I hear them here. What I do care for is it's the first song that sounds like it's played with a live drum kit on the whole album, mm-hmm. which I don't think it gets enough credit for. If you listen to the drumming on Slow Love. The
2: man in the moon is smiling.
1: It does not. Fit the mold of Sign of the Times, but that might be its way of fitting the mold of Sign of the Times. Is something different out of the blue, out of the left field, unexpected? No drum machine. It sounds like live drumming to me. Okay. I'm looking at Christine. I'm seeing a face of I was not into the song whatsoever. <laughs> and I'm trying to find out where to start in my notes to put it together.
0: I thought there was a, a little bell in the right channel at a minute uh-huh. and forty six. That was a very nice touch. <laughs>
1: I got to get myself a bell over here on this microphone so <laughs> I can be more highly thought of.
0: <laughs> oh no,
1: I think a lot of you Was it like a little symbol, like a chiching, like a little finger symbol that you're talking about? That's what I remember I, from the song. I
0: thought it was like a maybe, but it wasn't like a double, it was mm. just a single. Okay. Yep. I saw that uh someone suggested that let's make it slow and let's make it last forever were references to it on this Um, album. And I really think that it was just uh, the vernacular of the time. It was sex and in the eighties and
1: it is also a, it is a pretty popular definite article that could describe anything previously mentioned, Right. right? It could be the subway. Right. Let's get on it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's take
1: it downtown. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it was written long before it.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't think that that's me either. Uh, the, salient. The, the,
1: the reggae part that I was mentioning is that it's got that repeating, bam, bam, you know, like kind of a hallmark of reggae at the very beginning of the song. Young and then a little bit of country. In the chorus, maybe even in Prince's voice, um, but definitely in the music. Okay. My opinion, my That's two cents. Fine. Sometimes I think of like Blue Light from the Symbol album oh. as like Prince's reggae yes but if you listen to that and then come and listen to slow love there's there are similarities there to it so That's it has fair. a little bit of a reggae flavor It's it's in there it's at least like six percent reggae yeah they could put that they would have to disclaim it if it was a drink of some kind it would you know contain six percent reggae
0: <laughs> that and uh the sun the moon and stars yes for sure that The sun, the moon,
1: and stars that was very princess reggae, reggae. yeah yep. and okay. pop go to zippa
0: oh uh, yeah
1: is reggae. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but Slow Love, you might have to throw in there with those songs. Oh. It might be an outliner, a outlier and also creates this look of despair and, I don't know, distaste on Christy's face.
0: Oh Well, I just don't like the idea that this song's lumped in with <laughs> some of those other songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I've tried to figure out at three minutes and two seconds what race car drivers... You can see the race car drivers. Let me show you what I'm made of. Is he just saying, this is fast and I am slow? Yes, that race car the,
0: drivers are fast. I've
1: realized that. I think yes, that that's I've the... seen the left-turn circuit a few times <laughs> on television.
2: You can see the race car drivers.
0: I think that that's just the whole point is saying that they might be... Uh, well paid, or famous, or attractive, but they're not good at the slow love. Okay, which is what she deserves.
1: All right, uh, yeah, for one hundred times wouldn't be enough. He says,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or she wrote, and he sings.
0: 100
2: times.
1: I think at uh, three minutes and 15 seconds, if you're looking for pretty things, Prince in the background on the right channel with his whoa, whoa, woes. Never really heard it before this remaster um, and thought it was an uh, interesting find. Yeah. Buried deep in the mix of slow love.
0: Okay. I'm ready to move on to hot thing if you are too. Okay, Okay, let's do it. The B-side to I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, the fourth and final single, the 12-inch included two remixes by Shep Pettibone, and that was the first unofficial Prince release to have remixes done by somebody else.
1: Yep, he relented, released Control, Mm -hmm. let someone else do it. We've got other Shep work on the super deluxe edition Mm. that we'll get to later too
0: Mm -hmm. this song also appeared on the girl six soundtrack Mm -hmm. and on ultimate
1: so yeah interesting that it made it to ultimate when it was a b-side yeah very strange it was recorded on august 6 1986 the day before the song that follows it follows it on this album forever in my life and i think you can obviously see musical similarities between those two songs too and it's just Prince on all vocals and instruments, except for Eric Leeds. So I see a lot of people saying that you know this was more of a Prince and Eric Leeds album than even a Prince and the Revolution reworking mm-hmm. of an album that Eric Leeds played a bigger role in "Sign of the Times" than, or was amplified to a bigger role, and Wendy and Lisa's contributions were either removed or
0: minimized. re-recorded
1: or minimized.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
1: We go from the live drum feel of slow love to an electro dance groove of hot thing. Yeah, that's right. It could have been a sentence if you just put a comma in there. Slow love, comma, hot,
0: hot thing. thing. <laughs> I always felt like this one was written to be performed. Oh yeah. Are your smiles? Are your smiles for me? Yeah,
1: where he makes his big smiles uh, in the uh, concert film with his fingertips. Yep. And his on his dimples, mm-hmm. or where his dimples would be. Yeah, if he had dimples.
0: hot thing tell him you're going to the crystal ball
2: maybe you should give your a call you to the crystal ball
0: is it a song yes is it an alternate name for a previous project yes correct,
1: correct. is it
0: a possible reference to his sparkling genitalia <laughs> maybe. yes.
1: Maybe. Or even uh, his plasma ball (laughs) also.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of people kind of point out Hot Thing as the weakest songwriting example on the album. We get Hot Thing and then a definition, you know, or an action or a statement of some kind. But it's a dance groove. It's not supposed to be Gone with the Wind. No. Yeah. At 2 minutes and 29 seconds when he says Hot Thing and Eric Leeds gets a... Sax solo, that's pretty blissful. On a Prince album, there's there's no disliking that. And a classic Prince scream at 2 minutes and 37 seconds, too.
0: So I thought for a second, oh, wait. I can't wait to get you home where we can be alone. I could read you poetry. I I can't wait to get you home. I I thought, oh, maybe it's not all all about sex. Maybe there's a deeper level. Uh, Oh, no, wait. It's all about sex. And then we could make a story of our own. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, sex poetry. Right. He wants to go write some sex yeah. poetry with Push her. Push
1: the little red button and record it while <laughs> you're at it. What else did I want to mention? Add 3 minutes and 14 seconds to 3 minutes and 40 seconds. We get another sax solo, but I would encourage you to go listen to the guitars and the right channel behind it. It's the basis for the remixes of the song. And they were totally buried on the original CD release, and they're much more clear and easy to pick out here. This... -hmm. That repeats and repeats, and it's the basis to one of the Chef Betty Bone remixes.
0: Very cool. Mm -hmm. I thought it was maybe a little long.
1: Yeah, listening to it now, um, five minutes and 20 seconds is a long track, but. um, It's
0: long for this kind of song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. However, towards the end, four minutes and 38 seconds through four minutes and 50 seconds, one final sax solo, and Prince is kind of vocalizing through it, kind of through his mouth and nose. Yeah, vocalizing. Yeah, Yeah. it sounds primarily like he's doing it through his nose. (laughs) I mean, Prince sings somewhat nasally anyway mm-hmm. not in a bad way but it's just kind of highlighted here uh to me during that sax solo and kind of at the end where prince makes some sound and eric leads plays it and he does it twice at the end uh-huh. of the song to kind oh, of wind it all up that's cool yeah that's very very cool And then it fades out at the end. Yeah. But it has to, because it rolls into Forever In My Life.
0: That's right. Uh, a single different version of Forever In My Life was released in late August of 2020. What I remember this song most for uh-huh. was that JFK Jr. and Carolyn Bessette.
1: You're Right
0: danced to this as their first dance as husband and wife at their ultra super secret wedding. Right. That they had in nineteen ninety six.
1: Yep. I remember that. Yes.
0: And I was like, oh yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah,
1: yeah. The single version you're talking about is the they call it what alternate vocal take or something like that. It was an
0: earlier version of the song. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we'll get to that.
0: Yeah. I loved Juggling Hearts in a Three Ring Circus. Oh, three-ring circus it was such a succinct way to tell you everything you needed to know about his Playboy lifestyle
1: beforehand. Yeah.
0: That yeah. it was stressful. It was in public. Yeah. He's juggling hearts. He didn't really think That's of them as fully people. formed people. Yeah. It was chaotic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even the overall sound of the song, I mean, it almost sounds like the opposite of Hot Thing. It's got like kind of Uh this, the bass is in the drums or this kind of part of the percussion. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very stark. It sounds a little dark, but also full of joy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got a little bit of, it's like it, but with a sweeter twist to Mm -hmm. it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, okay. Like the personality of the song does not sound like a beautiful like a beautiful ballad, and he doesn't sing it in a falsetto, but it's still like mesmerizing, you know, uh in his normal kind of singing voice, and that's added to with the lyric leading backgrounds, you know, that kind of start off at fifty-one seconds and you kind of start realizing how the song is going to be structured when he sings. Baby If You Do Too and he doesn't get to that in the lyrics until almost two lines later mm-hmm. and that was also a mistake oh. um, that Susan Rogers huh. had something not synced correctly um, when they were putting background vocals and lead vocals together and the background vocals weren't originally intended to precede the huh. lead vocals uh-huh. and that was another uh, like happy accident that just made it onto Maybe the
2: album I think I do. And I just want to tell you that I want to
0: with you. Oh, baby, if you do too. Very cool. Yeah, I really loved how they're almost robotic sounding. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it's uh, almost emotionless, but everything is full of emotion.
0: Yeah, it's a little like automatic.
1: You're right. Like it's. uh, He's a machine.
0: Well, and loving you is. An yeah. automatic thing. Yeah. I'm going to, I've programmed myself to love this and love you. Yep. Mm. Nice. I never imagined that love would rain on me and make me want to settle down. I never that
2: love would rain on me and make me want to settle
0: down. Rain can be so unexpected and change your plans, but cleansing at the same time.
1: Yeah, and if you handle it right, then it can go well for you. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just, it's a very romantic song.
1: It's a, it's oddly romantic. It's it almost is, like, yeah. it's like not the kind of song, you know, in the fantasy world where Josh is a singer or a songwriter. <laughs> it's not what I would have in my mind when I sit down to write this song of devotion to mm-hmm. like, if I were writing and singing a song for you, I could never do this, right? Aww. I But I could never do it. Because huh. it would never come out. I'd be like, well, that kind of sounds almost... <laughs> does it sound like a love song? It does not sound like a love song. It sounds like a... It sounds like obsessive in almost a scary way. But then you start listening to what's being conveyed. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this is really from the heart. It's just put together in this very unique way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which makes it even more special, I guess. Right, right? yeah. I love that he also... There's a lot of dog references going on here. First of all, La La La, He He He, the B side to Sign of the Times, has dog references. Uh, the beginning of Play in the Sunshine, ooh, doggies. And here he wants to find some way in this doggone world to make this feeling last. He could have used any term that he wanted to there. There are a lot of two syllable. Expletives that could have been worked in, but he chose "doggone."
0: And then we, there's another theme here that we see frequently in Prince lyrics: "You are my hero, you are my future. When I am with you, I have no past." Oh,
2: oh, oh you are my hero. You are my future. You when I am with you, I have no past. Oh,
0: baby. And we kind of saw this in Moonbeam Levels too. Yep. Was, I'm just going to look forward. I'm not going to dwell on my mistakes. I'm just going to look towards what's next. Yeah. Not look at the past. That makes it very difficult to learn from your mistakes.
1: Right. Well, I think that's why you saw the truth hurts. But every relationship he had with a woman that was romantic ended. None of them were lifelong. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're right. It's, you know, the same mistakes Roommate. and I mean, he was who he was, right? So he was never going to not be more devoted to his music than he would have been to a partner. And many of his partners seemed to understand that, and it still didn't work out.
0: Right. They accepted that, but he couldn't stand if he wasn't the ultimate object of their devotion. Yeah. I think is the, the thing. Because That's fair. Susanna didn't want to give up a relationship with her twin sister. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. To ask her to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's childish. It Yeah. It's very childish. Yeah. It's a childish, a childish way to look at the distribution of love you can have because it's <laughs> a, it's like a complete, despite how much he seems to understand about life and love in the songs that he wrote and sang and performed there was no understanding that love can be infinite right it's not like i've got to divide my love up yeah and give 51% to you and 42% to this person uh-huh. uh huh he didn't yeah.
0: understand that it multiplies yeah but he said but then he sung about it
1: oh he sung about even in this song forever you know i mean didn't even think that one day he could get sick he could die it was a forever I want you in my life. It wasn't, I want you in my life until I'm no longer here, or you might lose your life somehow. It was, and there was a lot of that in his lyrics too, you know, mm-hmm. eternity being around forever. Hmm. But there was the performance world of Prince. And then there was the reality world of Prince. And right. I mean, that's, those are for any musician. Those two things are rarely the same.
0: Right. Yeah. And then sparse arrangement really made this little bit of guitar at the end so unexpected and lovely and
1: and just, too short i always thought oh that yeah. acoustic guitar that kicks in and is so lovely and he whispers forever in my life and you get this acoustic part that i was always sad there wasn't more of it and now we've got this uh, early vocal run through that you mentioned later that is just almost a jam of that acoustic guitar part so you can get more of that and hear where it came from you do get a glimpse of it unknowingly in the live performances that um, also worked in the song it Mm -hmm. on the sign of the times concert film we just didn't realize that how much of that was based on the uh the early vocal run through as it's labeled here but that's all more clear and even more fun yeah at this point
0: So that is all of the music that we're going to cover. I'm glad gl- we're only doing <laughs> no, God, one I was disc at a time. Just going to say the same
1: thing for our <laughs> listeners. Mercifully,
0: <laughs> we
1: have nearly reached the end here. It's been a long journey. Yes, but, but I hope fun. A delightful this one. is uh, yeah, just an incredible. Album, so I think it makes sense to handle one disc at a time.
0: I agree. So we make three choices every episode. We choose things. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was written. We choose a low point, the C, the S E A, the thing that we like the least. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And mountain the thing that we like the most, the thing that spoke to us. Also, good luck.
1: That all sounds right to me.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go first, because they're my rules. My dumb rules, dang it! Alright, so the time capsule. Well, so many of these songs are both of their time and timeless. True. But I'm going to go with it as the time capsule, because... It was slang that's very, very 80s to me.
1: Okay, I see how you arrive there, and like I said, it seems like the kind of reluctant discussion uh, in the 80s, especially that uh, not just parents but teachers and sex ed. Uh huh. You know, uh, we've got
0: to start telling kids about this, but oh my god, we can't use that word. It.
1: They're virgin ears. <laughs> I just couldn't get past the fact that the title track is literally straight out of the headlines. Stripped from the headlines, as they would say. <laughs> you know, from 1986 to 1987, it's all there. You know, every everything that everyone was talking about, every mm-hmm. adult was talking about, I think, is right in this song in Sign of the Times. So I picked Sign of the Times as my Sign of the Time capsule.
0: Okay, excellent. The C... The low point, the thing that we like the least. Uh-huh. Not just because somebody other than Prince wrote it. Uh-huh. But I'm picking Slow Love. Just because I'm really hard to please with a ballad.
1: That's true. What, what really, ballad? Is there a ballad that you really like?
0: There are ballads that I really like, but okay. I'm really hard to please with them. And this one, it didn't cut it for me.
1: Didn't cut it? No. No. Well, I was thinking about copping out all together and just say this whole album is like a bass line <laughs> that's flat across all nine of those songs and that baseline is higher than any C that I could possibly pick out, but I don't wanna be that guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I also put Slow Love here. Okay. I think first of all I think he had better ballads that could have been included now that we have the Super Deluxe edition with all of these outtakes that yep. you know were kind of in the running. I think that Slow Love is good. I don't it, think it's cringeworthy, bad song.
0: No, no, no. But
1: it does come across as not... I mean, there were songs on Sheila E.'s album that we covered in our last episode that had no Prince involvement that sound more like a Prince song than Slow Love does yes, to me. Yes, agreed. But I also think it does fit into the eclectic kind of atmosphere sure. of Sign of the Times with its dinner theater play backdrop on the cover and it's very it's a very musical-ish tune to me like i could see it be like part of a broadway show it has that kind of sound to it so um yeah it's my sea but i think that it's above maybe a few mountains than we that we've mentioned on this huh? on this podcast especially protege albums a few okay. in particular that i could point out but won't
0: okay all right the mountain the high point.
1: Good luck. This is mean. The ma- it is hard. Why do we- can we have Twin Peaks and do two mountains?
0: <laughs>
1: we never t- discussed that.
0: No, Forever in My Life and Starfish and Coffee are both two of my favorite songs. Uh-huh. Not just print songs, but like song songs. Okay, I love them both so much. They're great. But I'm going to go with Housequake as my mountain because it is the one that benefited the most on this disc from a remaster. It makes it so much more fun. The depth and range that you can hear in the musicality is so pronounced. Mm -hmm. I have to go with Housequake for this.
1: You don't have to justify your choice to me. (laughs) At all, because I <laughs> I was struggling between Forever In My Life and Housequake, because I thought they both benefited from the remaster quite yeah. a bit. So they were both in the ring for me here. Starfish and Coffee is such a unique song and such an oddball, and of course it is, because it's about this unique person, that I almost set it aside. Like I feel like it's so special special and weird we need like a different category between mountain and time capsule for <laughs> starfish and coffee we could have a starfish and coffee category maybe later on i love the simplicity of forever in my life and those lyric leading vocals but the remaster of housequake was just too much for me it's qu- it's like a quintessential prince funk tune maybe his very best funk tune and he has tons of love songs also so to forever in my life i say take a seat but maybe put your foot down on the 2 and jump up on the 1 cuz how's quick wins
0: amen oh that's great wonderful
1: we agree we
0: agree on t- on 2 i know that's that's kind of amazing
1: it is are we feeling okay do we need to be tested <laughs> for something
0: for the, tested for the funk <laughs>
1: I, I tested positive <laughs> for the That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. And it's catchy, too. It is. But in the best way. So next time.
1: Next time. I hope this doesn't come as a surprise, but we're considering <laughs> disc two from Sign of the Times <laughs> yeah. for our next episode.
0: Yeah. there's not, It's going to be a while before I'm surprised at what we're
1: covering That's right. It's, la- it's laid out here yeah. for us for a while. Yeah. So Sign of the Times, disc two remastered. Coming up next. I can't wait. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We know that you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio. You chose. And we really, really, really appreciate it. Tell a friend. You know you have a purple friend that you want to listen to and say, man, that Josh has got some great insight. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that that Christy, she doesn't know what she's talking about.
1: Um, Or (laughs) the opposite of that.
0: (laughs) Whatever. It's way more fun when you listen with a friend do rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts because that does help us get found and until next time happy purple listening
1: thanks for listening
0: yeah sex poetry right he wants to go write some sex yeah. poetry with push her push
1: the little red button and record it while you're at it yeah
0: <laughs> sorry thought of something else when you said little red oh, button
1: oh <laughs> no I meant like on the on the camcorder <laughs>